Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. feeling today? Feeling good? We just had Christmas. We're still celebrating Christmas. Some of you this morning may feel a little relieved, may feel full of joy. Some of you this morning may be a little bit sad, and that is okay too. We're all different places. We're in all different places in our lives, and it's just important to realize that and important to acknowledge it. And I know we've said this before, COVID has been hard. The last two years has been rough, but um, thank God that we have a Savior and that we have received the gift that God has given us. Amen? So another question. Be honest now. Did anybody receive, like, a really amazing gift this last week or so? Anybody? A couple claps or give a gift that you thought was like, wow, I just nailed that. Anybody? A couple of months ago, um, I'll, I'll say my secret, I like to shop secondhand, especially for my kids' toys, because, I mean, as long as they're in good condition, my kids don't care, right? And so a couple months ago, I went to a consignment sale, and I found, like, the ultimate Christmas present in September for my five-year-old and my three-year-old. They love Paw Patrol. And if any other parents are out here, your kids might like Paw Patrol too. But I found this Paw Patrol Mighty Pups Tower. And it's like yay tall. And you press buttons. And then the, the pups can go down the line. And um, so, I, so we gave that to our son and our daughter yesterday morning. And they were, of course, ecstatic. And they played with it until we had breakfast because we said, we're not going to open any presents until after breakfast. And they were all excited, worried about opening presents. But they played with their toy. And then we had breakfast. And they went back to playing with the tower. And then we cleaned up breakfast. And they were still playing with the tower. And then about 10.15, my husband and I are like, so should we just take everything else back to the store maybe? Because it seems like that's all we should have given them. But we had to. We're like, all right, well, I mean, we do have kids in this house that take naps still, we should probably get a move on. And so we told our son, like, hey, bud, it's probably time to stop playing with that and open up some presents. And the response we got was, oh, like, that was a pretty amazing gift for him. Maybe some of you got the vacuum. A couple years ago, my mom had asked my dad for a vacuum for Christmas. And I'm not sure what went on in his head, but I imagine it was something like, that's a trap. Because he had experience with giving my mom a vacuum for Christmas. See, back in 1976, when the year that they got married, my dad thought giving my mom a vacuum for Christmas would have been a great gift. And we don't need to mention it, but let's just say every once in a while we talk about how dad gave mom a vacuum for Christmas. And we got the lecture, don't ever give someone a vacuum for Christmas. And you know the good thing this morning 
is that we all have received an amazing gift. And I think you probably know where I'm going with this. We've received the amazing gift of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. We've received this great and glorious gift, a gift of grace, of forgiveness, of mercy, of majesty, all wrapped in strips, lying in a manger. And you know the great thing about gifts is that we don't actually really do anything to deserve gifts, right? Just like God gave us Jesus, we didn't do anything to deserve that gift. So now what? What do we do when we received a gift? What are we going to do? What do you do when you receive an amazing gift? Are you somebody that's like, yeah, thanks. And maybe you hide your excitement underneath the surface level. Maybe you're someone who shows their exuberance. Maybe you're a thank you letter writer. Maybe you're a reciprocal gift giver who has to give something back when you get a gift. Let's take, let's talk about what happens in scripture after the Savior is born. What do the Magi do with this gift? The Magi observed the rising star. They traveled east to Jerusalem, and they asked where the child was born, the king of the Jews. The Magi saw the sign that God was giving. They saw the gift, and they moved toward the gift, not away from it. They moved toward the gift to lean into the gift. They wanted to worship him. And when King Herod heard of this gift, as the Magi were in Jerusalem, his response and the townspeople's response was with fear. They were disheartened. They were full of fear. They were frightened because it threatened their way of living. And it threatened Herod as a king. So let's stop the story right there. How do you feel about the gift of Jesus? What's your reaction? Are you filled with fear like Herod was? Scared that Jesus might change your way of living? Are you scared to give your life over like that? Or are you like the Magi? You're excited. Is there something keeping you from giving your life to Christ, to trusting in Christ? There's promise of goodness and love in Christ. And remember that really important scripture? God gave his one and only son, right? He gave us Jesus as a gift. So what are you going to do with it? Back to the story. Herod sent the Magi to Bethlehem to find the baby Jesus, and so he could see the baby himself. If you read further on in the story, you know that Herod might not have had the best intentions, right? Because later he wanted to destroy Jesus. Herod was filled with fear of how Jesus might change the way he was living. The Magi went to Bethlehem, guided by the star, and when they found Jesus, they were filled with joy. They received that gift, much like if you received an amazing gift, you might have been filled with joy. It's like, kind of like reminds me of kids at Christmas. They want to open up all their presents right away, except for mine apparently, at like 5 a.m. in the morning. Thank goodness that was not my kids. That's how I imagine the Magi to be. Scripture could have just passed over that emotion in the story, and just said the Magi went to Jesus and gave Jesus their gifts. But they didn't. The Gospel writer wrote down that the Magi were overjoyed. They weren't just full of joy, like, yay! I mean, think about what overjoyed means. 
In my mind, that's like exuberant. That's not just, woo-woo, that's like, oh my goodness, like overjoyed. We are so excited. So are you overjoyed with Christ this morning? Take a temperature check on yourself. How are you feeling? Because we just celebrated the birth of a Savior. And that doesn't mean that I dismiss any sadness over the holidays, because I see it, I felt it myself, wishing, I wish this person could have been there. It's a hard season. Loneliness, recovery, it's not an easy season. But if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, put our trust in him, it can be a little bit easier. I believe that there can be rejoicing for everybody. So what does the Magi do next? They opened up their treasure chest and presented their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to Jesus. The Magi see the gift that God has given them, and their response in the wake of good news was that they gave back. So now what? We give back. So begs the question, how are you responding to the wake of good news? Are you Herod, who's disturbed and scared? Are you the Magi, who are overjoyed? Maybe you haven't done anything yet, and that's your next move. We want to challenge you today to think about your gifts. You've received a gift. What gift do you have? What are your God-given gifts? What gifts are you bringing to God's table? And I'm not talking about our money gifts. That's a different sermon, and that is not me. I'm talking about your time, your treasure, and your talents. What gifts are you bringing to God's table? And let's be clear, this is not something that we do, and what gifts we bring to God is not to secure our place in heaven. It's because God has instructed us to serve our neighbor, to share in the gifts that God has given us, to further the kingdom of God, and love one another as we have been called to do. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all of the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. So the Magi were kind of gifts in themselves. God called them on their journey. And the journey east to Bethlehem would not have been easy. It would have been a pretty grueling journey through the desert, cold nights, warm days, lack of water. The Magi were motivated by the promise. And God doesn't promise an easy life for ourselves. And in fact, sometimes you might feel like God has kind of turned his back on you. But as Christians, we are still motivated by the promises of God to continue our journey. And not just go through the journey of life, but to use our gifts for abundant blessing. When the Magi gave their gifts to Jesus, who do you think really benefited from it? Did Jesus benefit from the gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Imagine giving that to a two-year-old or a one-year-old. Do you think that they would be benefiting from that? It was Mary and Joseph who benefited from it. Because what happens after that next in the story? Does anybody know? What happens after the magic come to visit Jesus? Mary, Joseph, they flee to Egypt, right? They flee to Egypt because Herod is looking for Jesus in Israel. And they want to make sure that his life is saved. 
So our gifts may be used for one thing, but sometimes they have a ripple effect, and they're used for other reasons too. And that's why it's so important that they are used. See, Christmas just isn't about the gifts that we get. We give gifts to each other because that's what the Magi did 2,000 years ago. We're sharing our blessings with each other, much like the Magi did. And see, this vacuum is actually a really good gift. Like, it might not be something that I want, but it's a good tool, right? Now, y'all don't come to me, like, next year saying that my partner got me a vacuum for Christmas because I said it was okay. Listen to each other. See, the vacuum is something that I would dare say we all have one in our house, or most of us. It's a tool that we use to keep our lives clean. Some of us have messy lives. I have a messy life with two little kids. Don't ever look at my floor if you come over, especially under the table, because my, my kids think their mouth is over here, not here. So some of us maybe wouldn't appreciate getting a vacuum for Christmas. My mom didn't appreciate it, but later on in life, she asked for one. So some of us, if we think about our spiritual gifts as our vacuum, do you have a vacuum? Do you have a spiritual gift that you might not really want, but it's a tool? It's actually something that you need. So our gifts might not be that. They might not be what we want, but sometimes they are exactly what we need. Amen. Bonnie's going to come on up next. You know, speaking of uh, having a gift, I don't know if any of you guys had the opportunity to witness this young lady in this beautiful little purple dress and as the songs were ministering, she was down here praising God. She was just twirling around, and she was using her gift. <laughs> and I just want to say to her, thank you. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for not letting anybody stop you from being who you are, because that blessed my spirit. Amen? Amen. You know, during this holiday season of giving gifts and receiving them, there is one thing that we cannot ever, ever do, and that is outgive God's giving. Amen? Yes, amen. God is love, and what he's done is he has revealed his love through sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to provide salvation to those who believe. And what I always love about God is he confirms whatever it is that he has for us in the word of God. And so what we want to do is we want to look at the uh, slide that says God is a giver. Amen. Now, we already heard this scripture, but I want you to look at it with fresh eyes. Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And one of my favorites, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Amen? God sent Jesus Christ as a living sacrifice. He suffered and died in your place. 
He suffered and died in my place so that we could be reconciled back to our Heavenly Father. If you have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you are in darkness, that you are in sin, and you are separated from His holy presence. That is why it is so important that you understand God is patient. He is so patient. The Word of God says that every day we have the opportunity to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. And why? Because his heart's desire is to see absolutely no one perish in their sin. That is a loving God. Amen? Now, one of the lessons that we learn from the story of Christ is that um, not everyone's heart is open to receiving him. Amen? And we learn that first from King Herod. King Herod hated the birth of Christ. And not only did he not want to have anything to do with him, but he actually sent people to kill all of the boys ages two and under. He wanted Jesus Christ dead. I think that that is a good indication that his heart was not open to Christ. But then on the other hand, we have the Magi the men from the east, and so many others that came wanting to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, and their hearts were open to God. And why is that something that I would want to share with you? Is because that's what the church is all about. You need to understand God has given us free will to either accept God's love or reject it. It's imperative, guys, in the wake of good news, in the wake of this great news that the church do whatever it takes to save as many as we can. Amen? We've got to reach as many people as we can. And why is that? Because we know. And I am sure that there are heavy hearts in the house of God today that not everyone made it to this Christmas. There is not one day guaranteed to us. The Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Make sure that you understand and know who Jesus Christ is in your life. So when we talk about God giving us gifts, what I love is when he gives us this task, God pours into each one of us gifts and talents to be used to build the body of Christ up so he doesn't leave us empty-handed. I want you to go with me to the book of Romans. Amen? Romans 12, 6 through 8. I know this is a lot, but stay with me. <laughs> we all have different gifts that God has given to us by his loving favor. Who has gifts and talents? We all, every single one of you, we are to use them. If someone has the gift of preaching the good news, he should preach. He should use the faith that God has given him. If someone has the gift of helping, help. If someone has the gift of teaching, teach. If someone has the gift of speaking words of comfort and help, go on and speak that thing. Amen? Anybody here ever had words of comfort or encouragement? given by somebody into your life? Come on now, that is a gift. Amen. If someone has the gift of sharing what he has, he should give from a willing heart. If someone has the gift of leading, then you ought to lead them folks. If someone has the gift of showing kindness, he should be happy to do it. And what I want to tell you, can the picture be in focus any more clear than this? Are you ready? Are you all with me? Yeah. Say with me, I am gifted. I am talented. Oh, y'all done did it now. Y'all done did it now. Because guess what? Now you can't get out of it. 
Because you all said out of your mouth, I am gifted and I am talented. Mm -hmm. Take that up with God if you got an uh, issue with that. Our love for one another must be sincere. And sincere love rolls into action, right? If someone loves you, I don't know about you, I don't want to hear the words, I want you to show me. God showed us his love. He sent his son and he died for us. We have got to do the work of the church. And here's the thing, God didn't assign to the church tasks to leave us empty-handed. No, he has given us the tools to get the job done. Guess who the tools are? Huh? In the hands of God, each and every one of you. Amen. We talked about God being a giver. Well, guess what? <laughs> Not only did he give you the gifts and the talents, he gives you the power to do it. So the power to fulfill what God has called us to do, the, he doesn't even expect us to come up with the power. It's all him. Isn't he good? Oh, my goodness. What is that power? The Bible says that God brings the Holy Spirit in to live in us. Hallelujah. And why is this so important? Because we need to know it's not about us. It's not about us. It is all about him. It is all about the kingdom work. I want you to look at what Jesus Christ tells us in Luke 6:38, because he is our teacher. Amen? He is the example that we follow. Jesus Christ says, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Can I ask you all a question? Did you all create yourself? No, 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 no. Who sent you here? Who gave you life? God gave you life. God is the one that sends you here, just like he sent Jesus Christ, to do whose will? His. Let me hear it. To do whose will? His. To do whose will? His. It is not about us. Aren't we so thankful that Jesus Christ, while he lived here, during his time, he wanted to teach us that he came here to fulfill his father's purpose. The Bible says that he fulfilled it because of the love that he had for his father. Anybody in here love their father in heaven? Oh, come on now. Come on. Y'all can do. Come on. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about, Charles. Woo! Woo, woo. Yeah. Ministry, living a spirit-led life, it's going to cost you something. Pastor Hurst says it all the time because it's the truth. In order for something to live, something's got to die. Well, guess what's got to die? You. Guess what's got to die? Me. If you're going to do what God has called you to do with the gifts and talents that he's called you to do, it cannot be about you. But I promise you, as you walk this journey with him, he will never put more on you than what you can bear up underneath. He understands that it's heavy. He understands that ministry is tiring. He understands that serving people is weary. But can I tell you this? Scripture tells us, you ready for this? All of heaven. Say it with me. Do this. All of heaven, heaven. rejoices over one. Come on, put it up. Over one. When I came into ministry, I wanted everybody just to sing so awesome of me. 
I was so excited to have this, what I thought was a preaching gift, and being in my flesh, you know, I was all excited, and then the Holy Spirit comes along and says, well, I want you to take that gift and go into the nursing homes, and I was like, no, no, nobody will see me there. Can, am I, can I keep it real? It's been 11 years now, and it's the most beautiful thing, because can I tell you this? When I went in there and I began to use the gift that God has given me, not my gift, his gift, not my power, his power. I'll never forget the first time. Because the Bible says, even though you are old and your hair is gray, I have not forgotten you. And when I went into the nursing home, I'll never forget the first time. And I, and I preached the gospel and I said, is there anybody in here who wants to accept the Lord Jesus Christ? And little Ladia, this little German lady, And after she accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, she said to me, now you are my family. She said, now I know that I'm going to get to spend eternity in all of heaven. And let me tell you, several weeks later, I went back to the nursing home to see little Ladia, <laughs> her little whiskers out of her chin. And they said, oh, sweetie, she passed away. And I will never forget when the Holy Spirit said to me in that hallway, she may have left this earth in death, but she will live with me forever. <laughs> Jesus Christ even said in the garden, would you please let this cup pass from me? I, I really, really, really would like this cup to pass from me. But he said, nevertheless, what? My, your will be done, not, not mine. Because he knew that we were worth it, amen? Jesus fulfilled his mission. It's our turn. And because God is so good, he wants us to use our gifts. And you know, the gift that I was given was a set of drumsticks. And these may not be for me, but I want you to watch a video with me. And I want you to see that whatever God equips you to do, preaching, teaching, serving, encouraging, cooking, dancing, <laughs> amen, working the cameras, what it is that God has called you to do. He will give you the power to do it. So let's watch a video about a young man who understands and comes into the understanding of the value and worth when they're placed in the right hands. I have a lot of memories from when I was a child. One that's always stuck out to me though was when I was about 10 years old and I was in school and I struggled. And I, I didn't struggle with English, math, or science. I struggled holding still. And I would try to listen and focus and process ideas, but I couldn't help myself. And then to be honest, I would sit there and then I would just start tapping. And the students in the class would look at me and they'd say, hey, stop tapping. A lot of the time, I didn't even realize I was doing it. And then eventually even the teachers got after me and they would yell at me and they'd say, Clint, you have to stop tapping. It got so bad that I got sent to the principal's office for tapping. And he said to me, okay, maybe when you go back to class, just try sitting on your hands. And so I did, I went back to class and when I felt myself starting to tap, I just, I did this, I sat on my hands. And that worked for about five seconds. One time I was tapping in class and my teacher, Mr. Jensen, he looked at me and he yelled. And he said, Clint, stay after class. And I thought to myself, this is it, I am done. 
Now, I've always been the type of person that believes that a single moment in time can change a person's life. And this was one of those moments for me, and I will never forget it. And so I was sitting there with Mr. Jensen and an empty classroom. And he walked past me and he sat next to his desk and he said, Clint, come here, I want to talk to you. And as he looked me right in the eye, he said, now I need you to know something, you're not in trouble. But I do have just one question that I have to ask you. And he asked, he said, have you ever thought about playing the drums? And in that moment, Mr. Jensen, he leaned back and he opened the top drawer of his desk. And he reached in and he pulled out my very first pair of drumsticks. And he held them in his hands and he looked at me and he said, hey Clint, you're not a problem. I think you're a drummer. And he makes several impactful statements. And the first one is, a single moment in time can change a person's life. And the second is, somebody believed in me. We all want somebody to believe in us. And he saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. And he said, I learned the difference about being the best in the world and being the best for the world. God wants me to tell you here, he is not about our perfection. Do you know what is perfect? The gift. You know what is perfect? His talents. You know what is perfect? His power. It is God who is perfect. And he said, I will come and live in you. I want to work through you. This is your moment. This is your moment where God can change your life. Do you want to know why I know this? Because when this word was coming out, the Holy Spirit stopped me and said, there is somebody that needs to hear my voice to say, I love you. What do you need from me? God can do it. God can do it. God believes in you. He sees you. He created you. He has poured everything that he has into you. He has purposed you here for this moment. And if there's anything holding you back from being the very best version of who God has called you to be, partner with God. Because I'm telling you, won't he do it? Come on, my friend. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Four or five years ago, I made my way over to Elam Church. I had come from a, a church for many, many years. And I'm just going to keep it totally real with my family. Can I do that? I was beyond church hurt. You don't need to know the details. When I tell you that I was beyond church hurt, I was hurt. I had struggles going on in my life. I was tired. And I said, forget this. No, forget ministry. I am going to sit down. I sat down on my gifts. I sat down on God. But he never gave up on me. And he will never give up on you. And you know what he did out of his loving, compassion, and kindness? He sent people like Pastor Hurst, who I've known for 30 years. And he would walk by me in the pew and he would say, God hasn't given up on you and neither have I. When are you going to use that gift, Bonnie? I had people like my husband who would come and he would say, I am your number one fan. I will never give up on you. Use that gift, Bonnie. 
That's why it's so important that if you have the gift of encouragement, if you have the gift of, of, of speaking into somebody's life, speak it. God does not want one person to sit down on their gifts and talents because it is about the kingdom. It is not about us. So in closing, in the wake of this great news, you ready? I had to do it. This great news, this awesome news that Jesus Christ has given everything for us. Are we going to partner with him? Are we going to be the blessing that people are praying and hoping for? If you're sitting down on your gift, if you're sitting down on your talent, then you are making the people sit and wait for their blessing. Don't do it. God is here. There are prayer warriors. And if there is anything that you need, please work with them and work with God. Let your heart be healed. Because whatever it is you need, get it. So that we, you, I, us, can go and be the church that God has called us to be. I bet you guys weren't expecting a third person, right? But here I am. Well, before I even go into the next portion of our message tonight, or today, um, I just have to say that it is incredible to be witness to God moving through Scripture. So the three of us were given a couple weeks notice uh, and given the Scripture, Matthew 2, verses 1 through 11. And we all came together for about an hour, prayed together, and all of a sudden, God was moving, moving through us where two or more are gathered, right? And so we're standing there and being witness to the just incredible intricacies of God. And I want to encourage all of us real quick. In 2022, as a church body, we're encouraging everyone to get involved, get plugged into a small group because there is something so profound about going into scripture with someone else. There is a revelation that God gave Kristen, that God gave Bonnie, and that God gave me that he wove together for deeper revelation in each of our hearts, a deeper intimacy with God because we chose to dive into the word together. So that's my encouragement. Get involved in a small group this next year. Um, I know it's on my New Year's resolution to make sure that I'm getting in the word with others, not just on my own. So back to our regularly scheduled message. I'm going to recap real quick. Kristen touched base on receiving the gift and how important it is to receive the gift of Jesus in our lives, right? And then Bonnie went ahead and talked about activation. What does it look like to activate that gift and to go out into the world and use it? Unfortunately for us, I think a lot of times in the world, what ends up happening is that we acknowledge the gift that we have, and like Bonnie said, we sit on it. And it's not so much a conscious sitting as it is that there are powers outside of us that are working against the mission and the vision God has for the world, right? So we have to be in tune to what is happening around us. I'm going to go ahead and jump over to Genesis 3. Just to start in the beginning, it seems like a good place, right? In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve are posed with a question. And this question says, did God really say right? So they're sitting in the garden, and the serpent comes up, and he says, did God really say you shouldn't eat of the tree, of the fruit, 
of knowledge of good and evil? Did God really say that? And they questioned the truth that they had known. They questioned that trust that they had placed in God. And so before them are two paths. And I firmly believe that every choice that we, ma- we have are these two paths. We have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This path over here leads to caring for self um, in such a way that it doesn't matter what happens to anyone else as long as I'm good, right? Then we have this path over here, the tree of life, right? And this tree of life, we get to through Jesus. This is in that intimacy, that relationship with God, where we say, Lord, what does it look like to bring life into the world? Versus over here, where when we go on our own agenda, we often bring death. And so these two voices, the voice of did God really say and God's own voice, are at war with one another. But for our gifts to come fully alive, to reach their fullest potential, we must partner with God and trust in his guidance on how our gifts are used. So I'm going to go real quick back to Matthew 2, verses 1 through 11. The Magi partnered with God and used their gift, I would say a gift of knowledge, wouldn't you? Astrology seems very knowledgeable, not something I'm familiar with, but definitely a gift of knowledge. And they used this gift of knowledge to honor Jesus. They partnered with God to bring him good gifts. Not only were they good gifts, but they were gifts that in that day and age signified two things, that he was a king and that he was a priest. These gifts marked Jesus for the ministry he was going to be doing on earth. Then on the other hand, we have our good old friend Herod. I don't know if he was a friend, actually. But we have Herod, right? I think Herod went through a long, long life of listening to the wrong voice, right? He rejected partnering with God and chose to eat of that forbidden fruit. And he used his gift of leadership to protect his own interests, his own empire. He listened to another voice besides God and fell into the trap of comparison and fear. These are huge motivators even today, right? And so these two motivators of comparison and fear, I just, man, it is so easy to condemn Herod's actions. It is so easy to look at Herod and say, oh my goodness, I would never. But how often are comparison and fear a motivator when it comes to our gifts? How often do you walk into a room and see someone else singing and say, ah, my voice isn't needed? How often do you walk into a space with another gift and say, you know, that person does it better. Therefore, I just, I won't even share what gift I have. Worse, well, maybe not worse, but a little bit. Fear can completely cut someone else down. I might look at someone else's gift and fear being my motivator is going to have me say words that actually tears down their gift and tells them, do not share it, do not speak, do not give, versus coming alongside them, amplifying their gift like the drummer in the video, and then walking in your own, right? We have to remind ourselves of Ephesians 6.12 that our battle is not against one another. It's not. You, your gift is not in competition with anyone else in this room whatsoever. God has uniquely deposited in you. Ephesians 6.12 says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but rather by the powers and principalities that stand in opposition to God's reign. Those voices are the ones that whisper, did God really say, when we begin to question the use of our gifts. Now, early on in the service, we exchange gifts. 
Mine's back there. I already put the bow back on it. Um, I won't re-gift it, but yeah. Lego set, right? Star Wars Lego set. Um, I did talk to my brother-in-law last night, and he informed me that uh, Legos sometimes do carry more value if you don't open the box, just occasionally. Um, but for the sake of this example, we're opening the box, okay? So we open this box of Legos, and as we open the box of Legos, the only way that I can actually bring that Lego set, that gift, to the fullness or the goodness of what the creator intended is to partner with the creator by reading the instruction manual, right? I'm going to follow the design on the box so that I can actually fulfill what the creator intended. Those instructions tell me how to assemble the pieces in such a way that the gift becomes everything that it was created to be. In order for me to actually see that to its full potential, though, I have to partner with the creator and I have to put some work in. I have to put some work and effort in. The same is true of our gifts, teaching, hospitality, service. We have to hold those gifts up to the giver and say, how do I use this? God, how do I use the gift that you've given me? In doing so, we partner with God, we trust him, and we're not questioning, oh, I don't, did you really mean to give me this gift, God? We're not saying that. No, we're saying, God, thank you for the gift. How do I live it out? How do I give it away to those around me? So let's take hospitality for a quick example. How many of us, um, maybe even recently, planned a dinner or a gathering for Christmas or just in general? Raise of hands. Yeah, planning a dinner, a gathering, something to get people together around a table. Now with hospitality, I don't know about you, but um, I have oftentimes made the plans, done the grocery shopping, set the table, cleaned the house, and then gotten home from work and said, I'm exhausted. What was I thinking? Why did I make the plan, right? Our God is so good and so gracious that when we take that gift of hospitality and ask him, hey God, I'm really tired tonight. Is that you telling me to take a rest? Or is that the enemy stopping me from using the gift of hospitality to create a safe space for someone who needs to unburden themselves? Who needs a hot meal? Who needs comfort? Who needs encouragement? Before we go and cancel and reschedule, I would challenge us all to step back and ask God. Those whispers may seem small and insignificant, and they very well might carry the voice of reason. Right? If you're tired, it makes sense. Cancel and reschedule. But I don't know about you. I have canceled and rescheduled multiple times in 2021, and 2022 is next week. Right? And so those whispers may seem small, but we have to pay attention and submit ourselves to God because I would venture to say that we serve an unreasonable God, one that operates beyond our understanding. Look at what he did for the Magi, right? The Magi are traveling around. Let's all be honest with one another real quick. One more feel out for this. Um, how many of you had to travel for the holidays for Christmas? Yeah? Um, how many of you kind of dreaded getting into the car? to drive any amount of distance. Yes, I have an enthusiastic one in the back. Yes, definitely. The Magi were given direction with camels and traveled across nations with massive gifts to bestow upon the Messiah. That seems pretty rad radical, pretty unreasonable, right? When we submit our gift to God and partner with him to bring forth its fruit, we see the kingdom of God expand. We see a touch of heaven on earth.
I want to really quick end with a quote that just, I feel like, sums up what we've been talking about this morning. It's by Marianne Williamson. And she says, you are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is written in us. It is not just in some of us. It is in everyone. Every single one of you today carries a gift to share. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people the permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. That is the joy in receiving our gifts. It's seeing lives transformed, changed for his kingdom and for his glory. So as we close today, we have some questions for you to think about. How have you received your gift? Have you received it with joy this morning? Have you received it with fear, disheartenment? If you've received it, how are your gifts activated? Are your gifts sitting on a shelf somewhere waiting to be used? That's not what God is calling us to do. God's calling us to open our gift and to use it to serve one another. How are you using your gifts? Are you using it for the kingdom, for your neighbor, to share in the love that Jesus had given us? Let us pray. God, we just thank you so much for bringing us all together this morning. And God, in this time of exchanging gifts, we just want to reflect on the greatest gift that you gave us in Jesus, Lord. We thank you for that gift and that through that gift, you've deposited pieces of heaven inside of us, Lord. Let us not waste those gifts that you've placed in us, God, but right now, right now, call forth in our hearts what those gifts are. Activate those gifts in us, Lord, so that as we walk out into the world today, we readily give them away. God, help us tune into your voice. Help us to hear you more clearly so that we can go and be the church. It's in your name we pray. Amen. The kingdom. Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.